Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Dude, this is such a gorilla outfit. Well, we're like, we are like literally like this is like. Remember that? Uh, what do you call it? Christian Slater movie? Pump up the volume. Pump up the volume. This is the podcast Christian version Slater. of Pump Up the Volume. If you're thinking, of course, promote. Was that New Orleans? Are you that a Saints is. fan? Oh, yeah, because that's... Since we've been an item, she's become a Saints fan. <laughs> wow, okay. We just have a lot, a lot of mutual friends that uh, I love the Saints, yeah. and you kind of started going to games. Yeah. Oh, really? So it's a, it's a real thing. Well, you're... Oh, you, I, I, being from New Orleans, I've gotten to know you know the players and the coaches and the GM and and so uh, that's wild. It's how, fun. It's how good. did you get to know them? How? Being in, are we on? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. This is what you do. This it's is just gorilla. devil may care. Yeah. All right, all right. Exactly. I like how you roll, Joseph. That's right. Um, you know, better than Ezra is from from New Orleans, and right. it's a, it's a small pond. Uh-huh. And uh, so everybody just kind of knows each other. You run in the same circles. Yeah. And uh, so I've got to know uh, Sean, Coach Payton, Sean Payton. Oh, okay. Uh, just mutual friends, and we've just hit it off and, and gone on vacation together. And uh, and then uh, Mickey Loomis, who's the GM uh-huh. of the team. Yeah. You know, um, it really kind of cemented uh, the the better than Ezra Saints relationship when the Saints won. The, uh, we're going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And they flew us down with the team yeah. uh, to to Miami, and we went on the team uh, buses to the game. That's wild. And we won. We beat you know the the Colts, and we came back. And we played the victory party. It was us and Kenny Chesney. I see. You know, hoisting the Lombardi Trophy with you know with uh, sprays of champagne everywhere, and it was amazing. It That's was a once in a lifetime thing, and I had my brother there and everybody close to me. Yeah. Need to celebrate your team Super Bowl, and you're with the team. Yeah. It was a once in a lifetime moment is and then did you get that uh well you knew them and your friends but was it also because you guys were playing the party and shit like that or? um well we already knew them so they kind of we they invited hey, bud, you anyway yeah they, they, they yeah because they, we were just buds with them and then uh i kind of know drew drew i don't see him as often as the other guys but mm-hmm. uh, like zach streif who was the the big uh all pro um left tackle offensive oh, okay. tackle but uh so i'm a saints fan man yeah yeah I'm a Browns fan, but you hey, know, you just, guys are back. You got when maybe not back, some, but you're. Some, yeah, for some reason, the Browns is like America's team. Like even in New York, there's like everyone loves an love, underdog. Yeah, well, we yeah we're a perpetual underdog. You know? But, but now the Saints you got, have dealt with a little now you got of that. Baker. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm like a you know. Browns a, are a, dude. That that's the Saints were a team that everybody wanted to win the Super Bowl. Right. You know. And yeah, Browns would be yeah. that team too. If it was Browns versus the Patriots or whoever. Yeah, no. But you're both AFC, right? So I don't know. Yeah, we are both AFC. But Browns, whoever, if that was the case, the whole country would be for the Browns. Yeah. You know. Do you know uh, Mike Napolitano? Of course. Yeah. Why does it not surprise me? You guys yeah. are friends. The nappy dugout. Nappy, dude. We, uh, <laughs> we, um, we recorded some together when he had that apartment. Studio behind Hugo's. What what was the no? Play? It was like right over right Checkpoint Charlie. Checkpoint Charlie, right there, at Decatur and Esplanade. Yeah, and that was that was. 
you'd be recording and there'd be there there'd be girls sleeping on the bed yeah <laughs> from the night before and it yeah. was just yeah <laughs> it was and so new orleans in a studio apartment i made a yeah. whole record in that apartment well emerson and, hart do you know emerson hart yeah i know Tine? i know emerson emerson yeah. made a record there and yeah. uh, and then across the street we made we made our second record a friction baby at oh, uh, kingsway kingsway and it was just it was such a great time and yeah napolitano with his cane you know and yeah he's he recorded some Ezra at our studio. We had a studio on Terpsichore, which is between Britannia and St. Charles, right in the Lower Garden District. Mm-hmm. And he came in and and, uh, and did some recording for us. He's such a good dude. Yeah, he's cool, and he's in a good place too. I think. Yeah, well, he you know got linked, uh, got married to Ani. Ani. Yeah, I don't know if they got married or are they married or did they. I'm I don't, not sure. I don't know the status of that, but yeah. well, did you know Ethan Allen? Uh, not the furniture maker not, and patriot. Yeah, <laughs> but, I probably. But, but he's he's a producer. He lives in Silver Lake now. But he oh. was in New Orleans. Cat. He and Napolitano were really tight. Yeah, I know like Greg Dooley and those oh, yeah. those guys. And uh, well, Dooley Dooley and I, uh, well, we were label mates. I didn't know that. But we, I don't know. I don't think we ever really, we really never got along. Here's why. Uh-huh. Every when you're, it was I think it was more him than me. Mm-hmm. This is the deal. Of course you do. When you're with a when, you, when you're Careful, on a label, we're all friends of Greg here. When you're when you're on a label, yeah. you all you know you have your moment when you're the new kid on the block and the label loves you, right? And then you don't have the success you had initially, and mm-hmm. they sign a new band and you instantly just resent them. Yeah. And and you know they came out, they got signed by Sylvia, Roan to Elektra Records, okay. and they put Gentleman out, yeah. which was one of my all-time favorite records. Yeah. But it didn't take off the way it should have. Right. And then Ezra got signed, and then we had, you know, good. Massive And t- took off. And I always felt that he just thought, I just didn't, he, I just never got a good vibe from him until much later. And then, of course, our second album came out and didn't do that well, and then they signed Semisonic. Oh. And I did not like those guys. <laughs> right, so you got to uh, so it, feel you know, the burn of feel that. Feel the burn, yeah. feel the burn. But Dooley, uh, last time I saw him was at... Uh, was it One Eye Jacks? Right. It went with Rio. You know Rio? Yeah, of Rio. course. <laughs> We're gonna we could just have a, an all day conversation. And, yeah, Rio and Corey. Mm. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time there in the early like two thousands. I made an album called Our Shadows Will Remain in the nappy dugout mostly. It's and, the city sucks you in, man. Yeah. And if you survive and, and you and you then you're proud of the scars you mm-hmm. have. I know that. Uh, when I look back, when I go back, to, uh, when I think back about when I lived in New Orleans, I'm like, I was crazy. It was just you get in the city and you lose. You're in a bubble and you and you uh, lose perspective on how much you're going out and how much you're partying. And at least I did. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> like it does something to you similar to like. Have you ever been to India? Never been. Okay. Well, it's like it's like a psychedelic place because your expectations about what's going on constantly get like thwarted like you're going down a highway and suddenly an elephant's walking down the middle you know or something like this like new orleans has a bit of that like when you're recording with mike and then you know in checkpoint charlie's on a tuesday night a blues band starts kicking in at 4 a.m like like just full steam ahead you go downstairs to check it out and there's like three people sitting there looking at it and it's just like that like it's not it does it's, it's every all the coloring is outside of the lines and it so really is. so that affects you like like in a way because it 
Yeah, it kind of just pushes you into your subconscious, I think. And I think that's why forever the city has inspired uh, painters and musicians mm-hmm. and architects and everything. It's just yeah. such a heady city, you know? Yeah, and with a lot of spiritual material, too. Like, I'm just in the ether. Like, you can feel the the spirit of the place is so... I'll butcher this word, but palpable. Uh, palpable. Thank you. <laughs> but but palpable. You, may, well, you may have just coined it. Palatable and palpable. Pal- palpable. <laughs> so, so, so palatable would be like a tasty, palpable thing. So, or it's like visceral. How about visceral. visceral? Yeah. No, the city's just got this. You're right. It's in the ether. It's in the. It's in the ground, and and it's in that the thick air. Yeah. And um, the city just kind of breathes and sweats, and it's it's very sultry. Yeah. And you grew up there. Uh, I did. I grew up in a less uh, romantic place called Monroe, Louisiana. I was born in Atlanta, oh, okay. and I grew up in Monroe. But I went down to uh, college in Baton Rouge, LSU. Right. And then I moved to New Orleans. I lived there for. 15 years wow okay so it got in you do you know james hall very well yeah well better than ezra's drummer is michael jerome right his drummer yeah i didn't know that i know michael jerome well i've recorded with him oh he's jerome he's the best he is the best he's a cool dude too and well james well james hall is again one of those great artists who just should have been massive like Mm -hmm. you know um i remember when he was in a band called arms akimbo i don't know that that was his band marry my hope marry my hope uh in athens and you know atlanta we we opened for them at the nick in birmingham i I played the nick oh god yeah (laughs) with the vallejo brothers Oh yeah, yeah. Um, do you know James Hall's son, Grandma? Liam I've only Hall? Heard, I've only heard his music, and everyone just says it's insane. Uh, Jerome says it's in, and I I loved it. It's insane. I I wrote. Uh, I've been writing with him. We I yeah we I got his newest single I co-wrote with him. Downtown oh. Life. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I love his stuff. No, he's in. He's. Uh, I think he's genius. You know, he's just like uh, you know, super creative, talented. Dude, like his in James, are they living in Atlanta? No, is I mean, James still a, he was in Atlanta. Where's James he was in Decatur or something? Yeah, like that. The, yeah, he's a little outside of uh, Atlanta, I think. I, I don't know. I don't know the status of that either. But yeah, and Liam is like in that, like just signed to Atlantic, and you know, going to L.A. and spending right. time with his manager out there. Who, who manages? Donnie Graves. Donnie Do you know Graves. Donnie Graves? I don't. Yeah. But uh, so it's interesting to see to uh, work with Liam because yeah he's like uber talented. Dude, well, I'll have to reach out and, and try to write with him. I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah. That's so tough. so that's what you do. You you reach out to people and try to write and stuff well, like that. Well, I mean, you know, I uh, I love co-writing with people. Mm-hmm. And forever with Ezra, I was the only writer, and you know. And I only wrote by myself, you know, because yeah. I don't know, did, did, did you start off just writing by yourself? Yeah. And, you know, and and the collaborating thing, you know, initially it was it's like... It's awkward at first. It is. And I was like, well, if I, if I like a song and it gets to the point where I play for the band, I can trust it because I know it's come from a place that I feel good about. Mm-hmm. And then when I would first write with other people, I would be like, I don't know if I, I got to live with this. Mm-hmm. And then you get past that. And my first, my first co-write happened uh after i was working uh in 2001 i was at conway studios and mm-hmm. at, at uh 
St. Andrews and Melrose, that th- that studio that's those three studios behind the Manicure Gardens, and it's just it's a beautiful studio. Mm-hmm. And Justin Timberlake was one, in one studio. Ezra was mixing an album that Brad Wood had produced, and then in the third studio was Meatloaf. Oh, okay, I remember. Yeah, the and, story. I yeah, this, yeah, yeah. And uh, so Alan Kovac and Meat heard uh, was Meat's manager, and Meat. Uh, and you call him Meat, like is his first yeah, name meat, is meat, meat, and his last name meat, is Loaf. Meat, just Meat, dude. <laughs> and uh, so Meat, Meat, um, uh, heard a song I, I wrote, and that was that was my first co-write. Right. Um, and then I wrote with Blondie and and uh, Barry Gibb and and all his all Alan Kovac's clients, and then I started writing with people who you know weren't members of AARP right and um and that's and that kind of started my songwriting thing so it just keeps me it keeps me uh in touch with what's going on and you know when you write with someone you can't help but assimilate a a chord progression or a way a a sense of melody and then it keeps my songwriting fresh yeah especially working with younger artists you know and that's really cool um it's important to me yeah, I because it affects my own music, you know. Yeah, I got that with working with Liam. Yeah, you know, you listen to like, hey, yeah, man, I'm, I was listening to this. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I dig that. You're like, what is that? Yeah, I no, <laughs> he was like constantly. Yeah, I was completely out of touch. I heard you, you gave a speech. Um, I forget what it was for, but it was like you were going through like the points of like your process or like a, a yeah, no, and one of them was keeping um, up to date on what's going on currently and how some people wear it as a badge of honor that like i don't even know what's up man yeah, i don't you dude, know. i don't know man and i was i'm guilty of <laughs> some of that <laughs> yeah yeah right you know we all are like i'm guilty of that like but uh recently like cuz just working through with liam and mm-hmm. then he's like he is on top of the charts and everything and we would just be listening to like what's going on and it was it definitely woke me up i think to mo- it does to modern life a little bit more and there's awesome stuff happening. Yeah. And then also once you dive in, you go, oh, well, I see where they're getting that, you know? Yeah. And, and then then you can really be useful, like, okay, you're digging that. Well, that's this artist is really just influenced by this artist. Let's listen to this. And then, right. and then you make the connection. Then you, then you start, and then you'll start writing melodies that are like, feel maybe more relevant or, or newer sounding. Because yeah. it's interesting because you do, we, whether we know it or not, as songwriters, we have a style and a, and a default. Yeah. And I'm always trying to get away from my default. Yeah, I'm in a band with Peter Buck right now called Arthur Buck, and and I do. I'm, a, I'm familiar. Yeah, you know that one. How has it been? We never met. I don't know. I don't know. How did we ne- never meet? <laughs> I mean, we probably rolled around New Orleans. We probably well, you just, were already kind of like I don't know. You might have been. You're like kind of already took off. I don't know. Yeah, but I but I but that you, may you, have happened professionally, out. but I still hung out the way I, I, I always hung out. Oh, Remember okay. that when when Trent Reznor was there? Yeah, and and Dooley. Yeah, God, those were the, your, those were the days. Finding yourself at Reznor's place or Hot Snake Studio at five a.m. Yeah, nothing good happened. Right, I I never found myself there. <laughs> but You're I had a smarter man than but I, I am. Well, no, but oper- like well, but I had friends, mostly female, who found themselves there. Ah, but mm. um, I don't know why. I put mostly female. I was just trying most, to be clever most, or something. Most, but it was well, a female Well, he's a sexy guy. He's <laughs> yeah, dark. He's, he's like a modern-day vampire. Yeah. Are you a fan? Uh, Bresner? Yeah. I'm a fan of his success. You know, I don't listen. I mean, and some of, maybe some of the Nine Inch Nails songs, like uh, Close to Our Hurt and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and then some of the soundtracks 
stuff he and Atticus have done. But right. It's all too serious and self-important feely to me. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's the way they feel about it, but but I respect it, you yeah. know. Um, but it's not my my thing. I, I'll go listen to. You veer more towards pop, I guess. No, I mean the thing. I, or just everything. Country. Everything. If I if I if you looked at my Spotify playlist, it would be things like uh, it would be things like Dawes and Father John Misty, right? And uh, that kind of stuff. That may become more psychedelic, kind of uh, acoustic acoustic pop. Right, maybe Radiohead too. Yes, yeah, some Radiohead. Yeah. If I was listening, one of your or, songs I, on the new thing reminds me of Radiohead. Oh, I bet there's. Uh, you maybe know which one? It might be the first one. I don't um, you oh. know what band I find myself going back to and listening to is Travis. Oh yeah, oh, that, that Travis. Why does it always rain on me? Oh my God, the, the man mm-hmm. who, and then the the Radiohead connection because N- Nigel Godrich produced mm-hmm. the man who, and he produced you know the Bins and. Uh, okay computer but that era of a uh, of a, a british pop just still slays me yeah. i like to always think i'm never going to be that guy who only listens to old music but i'm very often that guy yeah you know? um but i always love listening to you know new things but it's all just one there's one uh, common thread that goes through the stuff i love which is what melody right um uh Cool chords, uh, great lyrics, like the Dawes guy, or, or, or uh, Josh Tillman, whatever Father John Missy's real name is, mm-hmm. Josh, or, huh? Father. Father. <laughs> just, just just lyrics that are going to inspire me and go, God damn, I wish that was me. You know, like Leonard Cohen, or, yeah. you know, um, or just, uh, just things that, uh, just new ways of looking at uh, how to write lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what well, what did you get the uh, we got off easy? That's a really good tune. Oh man, thank you so much. Yeah. That song It's moving. I just like the whole we got off easy, easy didn't we babe? That you was know, yeah, it's like it's got cuz it pulls at you. It's like, I don't know, man, it just puts you in a movie. You know how songs sometimes and then all of a sudden there's a camera sweeping. Dude, thank you so <laughs> like, much you to hear you say that. Like, <laughs> um it has that vibe. That song that song just fell out. That's a good one. That song just fell out, and I I was in my house, and started humming it, and I knew that it got off easy, didn't we, baby? That's, I was like, that's my hook. Yeah, that, that's my thing. I'm gonna hang my hat on, and yeah. I ran out to the house and put it down on my phone, um, little voice notes, and the lyrics were, I, I usually not struggle with lyrics, but I wait till the end. I'll right. have the hallmarks of lyric, of of keywords that I'll. I'll put like chained together with gibberish, mm-hmm. but this one was the one that just all fell out. Uh, just a memory of, of, uh, of uh, relationships and um, you know, Scrabble and cheap wine and clove cigarettes and yeah. and, uh, and modern lovers. Oh, like Jonathan Rich. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the f- opening lyric. I still remember you there wearing your modern lover's T-shirt. Right. Oh, right. Choking on a clove cigarette like you did back in high school. Yeah. And then also, and I'm, I'll, I'll never, uh, you know, shy away from saying what what I was listening to. I was, you know, I'm a big Spoon fan, and yeah. you can totally hear me, like, you know, kind of being inspired by that. Oh, I can hear that. Brit, now. Brit that Brit uh, delivery. Yeah. You know. And I love the production on their albums. Spoon's an, a band that I just, is a modern band, or a band that's been around a while, mm. but still just making such cool music. And I love, I'm inspired by 
what they do production wise and you can just tell they just go down a rabbit hole in their studio and like ah oh, you know this you know it's spending more time than I'm inclined to on guitar tones. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm like, just get something up, you know. Yeah, I'm like that too. You know, I'm just like, get it up, you know, and um, and but you can just tell those guys are just down the rabbit hole, like Dan Auerbach must be. You know? Right. This is a silver tone that was only one of these made. It was actually uh, incorrect that it was made, but it imparts a nice resonance. And when you add it to this uh, circa. Uh, '67 fuzz face pedal. It really has a nice resonance, and you know, yeah. just, I wish I was. You know, I love it, but I'm not that guy who's going to be all geared out because it scares me when I do that. I'm like, I'm mo I'm getting away from the point, which is a great song, right? And then I also think that people just love a great song, and that that those little fine points are lost on most people. Yeah. I guess that's just a way to keep you entertained yeah. too. And if you got the money for it, yeah, you know, it requires space and money. Space and money. Space and money. And yeah, you know, because some of those vintage did pedals. You just, I, that's the name of the next, my next album. Space, space and, and money. money. <laughs> <laughs> Where uh, did you? So you recorded at Kingsway back in the yeah. day. Yeah. Did you record with Dan? We recorded with we recorded with Don Gaiman. Okay. And, and Don Gaiman had done, um, at the time he had done a document for REM. He had done right. uh, okay. the big uh, uh, Tracy Chapman comeback with, what a, give me one reason to leave mm -hmm. here. Um, but he'd also done, oh, he'd, he'd done uh, the big Mellencamp records. Okay. But most recently he had done Cracked Review for Hootie and the Blowfish. Um, but that's not why we hired him. Um and we just like I just like the tones, and he was you know. Did you ever just get? Did you ever work with the producer because they just were so persuasive? Hmm. Like we kind they, they talked. Yeah, they kind of talked us into, into it. Yeah. And I and I and I um because the first person we interviewed and brought down to um, Kingsway was Andy Wallace, right? Who did Grace Jeff Buckley? Yeah. And I and I often I love Don, but I've kind of kind of regretted that we didn't do a record with Andy Wallace because I still think his production is just some of the best. It just stands up. Right. It's real clean, but it's just it sounds so good. And the in the way that record uh, ended up sounding mixed, the Friction Baby one that we did at Kingsway, I wasn't that super happy with it. Right. Because Don recorded it and mixed it. Which I don't think is the often the best thing, but yeah, but I, but I still love the album. But yeah, I always wonder. And Andy Wallace had just done this the uh, the Blind Melon album Soup right mm -hmm. before Shannon passed away. You know, mm -hmm. down in New Orleans. So when Andy came there, it was really uh, to to be with us and talk about producing the album. It was a weird vibe. He's like, wow, you know, five months ago I was in this recording Shannon and. Yeah, we just interviewed them for this podcast, Rogers and Chris, and then Travis, the new lead singer. Yeah? Yeah, at at Danny Clinch's See Here Now Festival. Ah. And so we got an amazing uh, two-part interview with Blind Melon. Yeah, they talked all about recording in the studio, yeah. and Shannon passing away a month and a half after the album came out. In the bus. I remember that Ramada Inn right out in yeah. St. Charles. Yeah. Um, well, how does the new... How is the new... I love this. Do people, the, the throngs, the thousands listening to this podcast need to know that, that how we're keeping our train of thought together as workers shuffle in and out? Angrily. 
Angrily. Um, yeah, this is a real. Um, blind melon fan? This is a real oh, go- man. gorilla operation we got but going this feel, on here. But this is so perfectly authentic. authentic. It's brownies. Authentic we got New the brownie York. sign. It's usually <laughs> yeah, not like this. <laughs> we're not really allowed to be here. <laughs> like, they don't see like <laughs> everybody thinks that the other person said you guys could be here, but no one did. Right. That's, <laughs> this <laughs> is how this is how you get by in New York on a on a. You know, beginning a business podcast. And we're on budget. episode fifty. We're on episode, <laughs> episode fifty. Like we've been churning out two of these a week. Yeah. And I'm getting ready to tour. I'm doing a co-headline tour with Jesse Mallon. Oh, killer! Um, October and November. Does Jesse still have his bar on? This is Jesse's bar. Oh, that's why. There's one on a that, corner. That's yeah, why Niagara. Yeah, and then Niagara. The, and then it had the great bar downstairs where you could dance uh, yeah. to ACDC and Golden Earring. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Cabin down below. Yeah. And then there's uh, Berlin. Berlin. And se- yeah. So Three yes, they, so he's, oh, and, awesome. and then this. This is Lola. This used to be Coney Island Baby. Oh yeah. And I live right over this. That's so, killer, man. And I paint down here too. I'm a painter. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So this is my painting studio as well. Yeah. I love it. It's it's we're multi it's multi purpose. It's multi purpose, but yeah. It's so great, you know, seeing the brownie sign and realizing that we're in brownies. You know, and, I shouldn't and then, have said I live right over here. I forgot we were recording. Mm-hmm. Edit. You now all your fans. <laughs> yeah, you can use this. Edit. That's <laughs> like that was TMI. Yeah, but what were you saying? Sorry about. Brownies. Oh, it's just, it's just cool to uh, to be in brownies or the former brownies. Yeah, and then tonight and tomorrow night I'm playing at Mercury Lounge, and I haven't played Mercury Lounge since 1994. Right, wow. when we played CMJ. Yeah, that's and a great it, room. It, yeah, well, I I I, I remember it being um, really cool, but uh, it was that one of those shows where someone's they're all showing up. Yeah, you know, Steve Lillywhite was in the audience. You know, right. who had produced you know U2 and uh, well. You too, um, <laughs> and Dave Matthews, but, uh, you know, right? Um, and it was one of those shows. Every time you played New York, r- right before we got signed, it was just like, "Who's in the audience?" Right. What was it like when it blew up for you? It was. And how old were you? I was twenty-seven, but okay. we had lied and said we were two years younger. Right, because back then, twenty-seven oh, was like, ancient. dude, you might as well kill yourself. <laughs> well, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, we had like the cool thing is we got together in eighty-eight. Right, and when we were students at LSU, and we were just playing bars and and frat houses, anybody who would have us, and but uh, it took us. I was twenty seven when we got signed. Mm-hmm. You know, it took us a long. It was seven years from eighty eight to ninety five. So we were we. It wasn't like it just happened. You know, it, it, it was a lot of no's and rejection, and and us just playing and playing, and finally the taste of of. Of, uh, of commercial music came to where people were looking for artists like us. Because, you know, bands like Gin Blossoms and stuff had happened two years before. So people were looking for that more commercial. That's not an underrated as, band. Not as grunt, Blossom. not as hard. You know, we were in that kind of, in that spot. Yeah. But uh, those are some great songs. Gin Blossoms? Yeah. Yeah, they're great. New great. miserable experience. Amazing great, album. Great record. Uh, yeah. You know. Didn't that guy, the main songwriter, kill himself? He did. Yeah, that's sad. It is a sad, you know, it's a sad story that, yeah. of that band. But they're still together. Uh, we did a show with them in Pittsburgh pretty recently. I think that's the wrong paint color, by the way. Um, Man, he is 
on edge, that guy. <laughs> it's, it, really? Yeah, if I'm, I'm about to go in the corner and get in the fetal position. That's what my body is but, telling but this me is to your, do. But this is your place. They're, they're supposed to be amenable to you guys. Well, yeah. But um, that, you know, you know how life is. Yes, I do. <laughs> it's a funny old thing. It's a funny old creature. Yeah, anyway, so Jim Blossoms. But, but anyhow, the, yeah. but uh, when it happened, so when, when, you know, we had, you know, the song Good, which was written in 1990, had been turned down countless times. People were yeah. saying, I don't hear any hook. What else you got? <laughs> and uh, and then we put out, we recorded our first record, Deluxe, in 93. Do you know Dan Rothschild? Sounds familiar. Bass player, Paul Rothschild, the famous producer of right. The Doors, his son. Uh-huh. He had a, an apartment on Flores in West Hollywood, and yeah. we recorded on the second floor in his apartment on half-inch uh, tape on a Fostex deck right. and a Rams aboard, 16 tracks, was, and we cobbled it together. Uh, that was the, the deluxe record we made in 93, and we put it out. And so mid-August, uh, September of 94, Good was number one on 99X in Atlanta, so we had a number one song independently. And so when the labels... That's crazy. How'd that happen? Putting records on consignment and going and knocking on doors and having PDs from stations and college stations. It started happening, you know, at WUMS in Oxford and then in Athens, Georgia, and Tuscaloosa and Vanderbilt. So we were playing, and we had an 88 Dodge Ram and a trailer, and we had our own PA system, and we just hustled, and we'd go up and play Cicero's for $50 and a pizza up in St. Louis. And you know we're, you know how it was back in the day, you had to just go out and jam and hustle. And, yeah. and so we were making it happen, and, and we had uh, sales. We would put all our CDs on consignment. That first record would cost us about $8,000, and that included all the recording, the art, and 2,000 CDs. And that ended up going and selling almost $3 million copies was which was all? crazy yeah right <laughs> of course the next record at kingsway that cost half a million to make yeah i think it just went gold i'm not right. sure still you know, gold is pretty good but coming off of three million and then it's like yeah feels like a letdown but but, but so when it, when it happened you know i think i was old enough to to really appreciate it and really savor it and be grateful um but still thinking oh this is easy you know um hey you know it's, it's good that we only sold this month, many you know that way it won't be so hard for the next record, right? And then then you realize that you're not the exception, and most you know most artists sell much less than that breakthrough. But we were ready for it and had a had a blast, and uh, you know, and I kept a journal of all those at that year, that first year where in '95 where we blew up and we're all over the world. And you did know, you right. have any like job or any backup plan or anything, or were, were you freaking I, out like, oh no, my life might be like a? Wreck. I was always, uh, I always envied guys that and and guys and girls who were just laser focused. You know, I'm a musician. Whatever happened, I was always had second had doubts yeah. and second second guessing. I didn't want to, you know, struggle, and so I'd gone to LSU and I got a degree. In English. In English. And I was going to go, I figured I'd go to law school. If, I, if music or entertainment, you know, or just being in that, because you get the bug, I got the bug early just to be on stage mm-hmm. and the, that intoxication of being around things being created. And, um, uh, yeah, and uh, it, it really kind of never, it really never ended. But, um, yeah. But you didn't have an active plan B, just an idea of a way well, to f- maybe have one. 
I thought I could go. I thought after I graduated college, I would um, I would take three years while my LSAT was still good and going to law. You know, LSAT is a law school aptitude test. Mm-hmm. And I like okay, I'll pursue the band for three years. Um, well, that's good, and I can always go to law school and do be an entertainment lawyer. And then during that time, I was out in L.A. I moved out uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and uh, I was working at uh, uh, Border Grill in Santa Monica, then City uh, Restaurant on La Brea. And uh, what did you do? I was a bartender. Oh, okay. So I was a pretty good. Bar- well, I started off a terrible bartender. I lied to get the job. Yeah. And uh, to where did we ever bartender? No. Yeah, but I, I was, watched Cocktail starring Tom Cruise. God, right? <laughs> Which is I like, can never do any I of that. Know like, everything about it. In, in, in my, in my, I've watched it multiple times. Most right? things in life you can learn. You can learn how to drive a car. Days of Thunder. You yeah. can learn how to fly a, a plane. Top Gun. You know, and uh, make cocktails. Tom yeah. Cruise is the be all end all. But who, I was. Who would you be, Val Kilmer or Tom Cruise? I think I'd be. Top Gun? I think it would be Goose. Oh, your goose! Yeah, I think and he calls me goose sometimes. <laughs> that line, "Talk to me, goose," is just talk to me, uh, goose. I still use yeah. it. Anthony Edwards. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember that movie? Gotcha. Remember that movie? No. That he was in, where he that he's a, an American student who unwittingly unwittingly becomes a pawn in an international game of intrigue. Oh, okay. One of those. And, yeah, when and he, meet, he meets uh, a yeah. young Anthony Edwards. And who? Wait, who was the girl from the Last Seduction? She was also in. Um, Men in Black. Sigourney Weaver. No, no. I know. I she was at Remember Men in Black. She was the the the, the uh, female attraction to um, I want to say Laura San Giacomo, but anyhow, oh, the dark hair girl. <laughs> Long story. Anyhow, but um, but uh, bartending. I was a bartender, and then also I was uh in the mailroom at CAA. I was like, oh, I'll be an agent. So right. I busted my ass and be uh. I left my. I had all these great uh, um, shifts at City Winery, where it's it, it's it, not City Winery. City is called City <laughs> on the brand. Like, <laughs> Did he foresee the future? Yeah. Um, at City, uh, and I lo- I left all my great uh, shifts, and I went to CAA um, to. I thought I wanted to be an agent, but six months after uh, doing that, I realized I hated that life, and that. That my whole goal in life was to have have an agent rather than be an agent. Yeah. So I left with my tail between my legs and went back to bartending, and uh, and that's really when we started making the deluxe album in '93 at, at, at Dan Rothschild's place. But uh, but I had a good experience at City um, when I was bartending. I, I had these great clients. One was Leonard Cohen, and Leonard Cohen would come in to my bar and order lunch, and he was that's when he was dating um, Roseanne Arquette. Right, she's oh, been on this shit. podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's and, lots of like yeah, right, right. Her and uh, and and it was so and, and it was it was right when I'd gotten into famous blue raincoat. I didn't know that. I didn't know she did it. I didn't it. know that either. I would have asked her about yeah. that. Okay, it, it, is it? Are you sure? It, it was one of the. It was either Roseanne. Uh, I think it was. I think he dated. No, no, like Isabella Rosalini. Isabella Rosalini. So wait a minute. Somebody do some research. Yeah, we don't want to. So did you ask him about songwriting? I did. I did. did And and, and we just became. I just asked him. Hey, you know, I'm. Any? Do you have any um, advice? 
I think he said for a young guy like for, me. For a young, he he goes do something else. <laughs> did he really say that? <laughs> That's wild. But he lived did he right say there it with a smile, or was it? Like I think there serious? was a bit of a smile. You know, he was actually really cool. And it, and once I got over my uh, just just being completely starstruck, uh, starstruck yeah. uh, he was really cool. And then another guy who was the who's the actor who plays uh. Rebecca De Mornay. Re- okay. That's yeah. it. Sorry, yeah. Rosanna. Okay. Sorry, Rosanna. Sorry, it wasn't Leonard. Though that's a good person to say you went out with. Yeah. It's not uh, Christopher, he... Marty! Wait, the, the flux capacitator, Marty! Oh, uh, Richard Lloyd. Richard Lloyd. Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. Christopher, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. He was another one of my uh, uh, regular patrons. So I, often I would have Christopher Lloyd getting his drink on at one in the afternoon. Yeah. And Leonard Cohen. At one in the afternoon. Yeah. These guys were day drinkers. Well, Christopher was, yeah. famously. And <laughs> yeah. then Leonard was, would just come in for some food. Yeah. And good conversation. That's cool. Yeah, man. But so, so a fallback plan, you know. Did he give I, you any tidbits of wisdom or just don't do it? Yeah, just the one he said, don't do it. And he kind of laughed. Uh, but then I would ask him, I think I asked him about some lyrics about uh, um, Famous Blue Raincoat. One asked him, uh, it's, was he re- referencing or making a uh, uh, well, making a reference to Scientology? <laughs> he kind of looked at me funny because there's a lyric in Famous Blue Raincoat that goes, Did you ever go clear? Oh, right. It's four in the morning, the yeah. end of December. I mean, I could sing those out. We, we could sing them together and hold hands. Acapella. It's four in the morning. I don't know. The, the end of December. December. I'm riding you now just to see if you're better. New York is cold, but I like where I'm living. There's music on Clinton Street all through the evening. I hear that you're living deep in the valley. Did you ever go clear? He, yeah. said, he had no idea what I was talking about. Really? I was like, hey, what, you, want, you want some more hummus? Did you ever go clear? Did you yeah. ever go clear? Yeah, I'm still trying to go clear. But mm. have you ever? Yeah, because that's that's really only a Scientology reference, unless you just unless it's just pure poetry. Yeah, just per, you know, in him, it's Which pure probably poetry. pure poetry, I guess, because he didn't know. But have he didn't you know. Ever, uh, they must have come after you, the Scientologists. You know what? I, I've worked with a lot of Scientologists, yeah. and I only found out they were Scientologists after I was finished working with them, and, yeah. and, and, and it was never obvious. Yeah. Or, or, um, and then I would, you know, I lived on Cherimoya. I dated a Scientologist once. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and it was, and I was open to it. Like, I actually read the stuff because I was, like, into the relationship. And I was like, well, let me see what you're into. And then, um, and I, like, kept an open mind about it. Um, but then I, of course, also went online mm-hmm. and, like, checked it out. And I was so like. So this is online. This is means this is more recent well it was like you know over 10 years ago probably 10 mm. 10 something years ago but but uh you know i was like okay this is all based off of like you know sound things a lot of it like you know because it's based off of like eastern philosophy a lot of it mm-hmm. like a lot of it is like you know sort of spiritually true but the the uh the the scheme comes in when they it's constant money for like doing those sessions with the electric things and i was like this is kind of like you know yeah a pyramid scheme or something like or just you know this is there's i didn't buy into it i was like you know and then that kind of and then the thetans and all that and and then and and then you insert uh aliens and then you lose me right yeah i i couldn't if you if if he had based it all on uh, swamp creatures Mm -hmm. i'd be one 
yeah, in a heartbeat for sure. But without but, a doubt, especially but, coming from New Orleans, swamp creatures yeah. and the, all that kind of stuff. Do you have any kind of religious or spiritual practice? Uh, hmm. Well, I grew Other up music. I grew up. Uh, music is my religion. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, and I'll speak in a Leonard, my dark Leonard Cohen um, tone. Please, um, for the rest of this interview, if you don't mind. Right? <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> I'll, I'll be my old Southern. Yeah. Joseph Arthur, your, your silver tongue words meant to vex and confuse me are in vain, sir. <laughs> That's pretty good. Who is that? That's I just I just kind of go into this old Civil War general. Yeah. So your diatribe, while both uh, on point and yeah. well uh, researched, is superfluous <laughs> and pernicious, and I take umbrage, sir. <laughs> sir, what are sir, you talking sir. about? Are you crazy, mate? Uh, what were we, what were we saying? Then you should go into your Aaron Neville <laughs> singing voice, like, and then combine <laughs> those. I haven't two. done the Aaron Neville. Do some Aaron Neville. Yeah, it's too early. Come on, that was sounded good already. If you want someone to play with, let your conscience be your dad. Oh, <laughs> Tell it like it is. You know, just gotta get that heavy, that heavy vibe, bro. Tell it like it is. Oh, mama, mama, let your conscience be your guide. I can't. That should be somebody's like. They should like sample that for their like phone ring. Tell it like it is. Well, the best is Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville doing that. Oh, wait, no, we, we, we were we were about to just stumble upon some great insight. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, we were talking about religion. Oh, right, yeah. Like, uh, well, I grew up uh, going to Episcopal, uh, mm-hmm. and then we moved to Louisiana from Atlanta, and they, they, there was no Episcopals; those were mm. heathens. Mm. And, uh, and then I was Methodist a little bit, but then really just kind of spiritual, you know, guy. I'm a spiritual person, you know, and. Uh, yeah, I think really since being I'm a sober guy. Yeah, yeah. oh really? Mm-hmm. I got that in common with you. Yeah. And yeah. you know, then at I at least can- with alcohol, smoked a bit of the weed here and there. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not like totally I, I just went completely clean. Yeah. That's but, smart. And then uh and so that really kind of got me, you know, the god of your understanding kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And really just starting to see uh, connections and and when I was living a certain way and getting out of myself and uh Try not to be selfish in, you know, that whole thing. Uh, instead of seeking to, to be comforted and see, you know try to comfort and love, instead of being loved and un- understand rather than being understood. Those kind of ideas make just make me accountable mm. and keep me in check. And then I started, you know, so that kind of spirituality, and then starting to read different things, you know, and and seeing how these connections that when you when I want I started opening my eyes and taking the blinders off of my ego that I started seeing when I was living a certain way, I attracted people around me that were good for me as opposed to when I was not living the best way I attracted mm. them, you know. I and, do know. You yeah. know what I mean? Of course. And it's and, and then when you see, then when you start to see that, you're like, whoa, it, it, there, there, it's not coincidence. And there are, <laughs> there are things that I was uh, happening around me that I was always blind to. And mm. so that spirituality and me saying, what is that? 
I want more of that, or at least I want to be more in tune with that, then mm-hmm. that's the spirituality I like to mm-hmm. be a part of. Yeah, taking 100% responsibility for what enters your field of consciousness and, and who you know manifests in your life. Oh yeah, man, and it and uh, it's just it's uh, it's irrefutable. It's, it's it's tough to do though. It took me many years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it took me I many, mean, it took it took me many years of 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 failing and and uh, and uh, half measures. Yeah, which avail <laughs> yeah. us nothing. nothing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like uh, yeah, be, yeah, like yeah, learning that you are creating your reality, you know, and and taking the responsibility of that is hard to do and it's even sometimes i slip back into old ways of being and thinking like i go two steps forward one step back oh, yeah. and then i beat myself up the biggest thing uh, exactly and yeah. and cuz it's it's really subtle and well, uh, it's thought going back into my old ways of thinking subtle is is the right word for it because did you ever read napoleon hill's book called uh, interview no interview with interview the, the vampire, vampire? <laughs> no it's called and uh, we're back to tom cruise it, it's, yeah <laughs> it's gonna come back to him always in uh what's it called uh, i can't even remember what it's is it book, it's about this interview with the devil um oh man it's slipping my mind well, it's napoleon napoleon is the Hill. author yeah look it up real quick napoleon hill look it up producer De- devil interview with the devil you know called. what you, i think we need to and it's ehud 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 i think you need to start you need to have some buttons to press and like wow. <laughs> yeah we need that and we need like one of those <laughs> like, yeah. well we like have chicken the, clucking the he, we have the helium <laughs> I, I have the book you got it but we were saying what well, i was going to say something because, per- but uh just yeah oh i, I don't want to oh, think and grow rich no the other one Anyway, he talked. The devil talks about the best. the The best thing is uh, drift. Drift is his favorite, and cigarettes cause drift. And it's like the you oh, is it outwitting the devil. Outwitting the devil. It's a great book, and it, and it talks about like cigarettes create drift, and then that like because the subtle aspects of going into self destruction. That's what you were. Yeah, wondering. and and it and it's just you don't even know it. You know, just like when they say, "Oh, you relapse before you actually relapse." Exactly. Because I, I, you know, I would I would put things in place. I would start lining things up that were, you know, I'd say, "Oh, I've got a day off in L.A. or I got a day off in Vegas in the yeah. week, huh? Hmm." You know, and I start right. putting pieces. In place, but the thing, the biggest thing is that I really loved about you know my, you know spirituality is a uh, is that is the was the realization that I am no different than anybody else, and I'm not exceptional, and, I'm, and the rules apply to me, and I'm just another dude on this planet, and that w- that and these things that work for other people will work for me, and that was the eye-opening thing, and I took off that weight of of uh of uh uniqueness mm. that was was false you know and to say man i need help right you know and then when that help came that was you know eye-opening and, and spiritual well to be that humble and to allow yourself to be that vulnerable is actually like a real big form of strength which is the uh, the the irony that you got to get it your be like you know the the surrendering is a is a is a is a show of of strength to say you know a, a good friend said man you keep just getting in that ring with that 800 pound gorilla mm. and it kicks your ass 
don't get in the ring. Yeah. And I just kept getting back in. Yeah. You know? And finally to say, no, that's that doesn't that doesn't work. Mm. Have the have the guts, have the humility to ask for help to where you don't get back in the ring and then that and yeah. It's the first step that's the most difficult and the only one you gotta master, right? Like yeah. the, just to admit that you're powerless over something like yeah. alcohol. Like like the the idea that once you take a drink, then it's the drink that takes the drink. Yeah, and it, but it's really you know the 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 notion of uh, your life is unmanageable. That's I was like, man, I'm doing fine. I'm right. successful. I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm quite happy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a two part step. You know? It's two things. It's like your life's unmanageable yeah. and you're powerless. It's yeah, like, that's a big pill to swallow right from the jump. Right, you know, especially like, with ego and oh and yeah, because your because intelligence and in your brain is not your friend. Yeah. But 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 you know, getting back to you know the book that I haven't read, but but all these you know things you, you mentioned, hell Scientology, you know all these things that work for people, whether they're ultimately whack like Scientology, yeah, and, and, and to each his own, you know they all have um, they have things in them that are these these kind of truths, you know, about being um, uh, responsible and. Um, uh, ultimately um being responsible for your actions you know and which is something that's elusive ah oh, the buzzsaw and this is this is part of the halloween episode yeah there's somebody being murdered <laughs> right um man so when did you we get deep we got when deep you, when did you get sober uh august 10th 2014 wow okay yeah the last time was uh, it was in uh, west palm beach florida yeah that's, last drink which and, and you scary. never and you've never relapsed never damn dude i see i got sober when i was 20 i started going to, Good those, for you. to those well i just had that, I that panic <laughs> i just had that panic moment where i'm drinking the coffee i'm like is this my coffee yeah yes it is well it's nothing to panic about even if it wasn't oh, man. <laughs> i'm sure we kissed the same person at some point i mean it's had to have happened <laughs> you know so we by the transit of property we've yeah. probably kissed Really? A, a equals B and B I equals C. So. Then A equals C. We probably kissed some. We probably so. have for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, I started going so young. Like, uh, so I had, you know, dealt with like, because I was, uh, yeah, dealt with that kind of stuff really, really young. So, but, so of course, then I relapsed like 400,000 times. Oh, and I've gone back and forth a million times, you know? I got, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, uh, I was good until my mid 30s. And I, I, you know, I was normal everything, and then it yeah. just got to the point where after, you know, if somebody would offer me something more than alcohol, I'd be like, "Are you crazy? We've got to, I got a show tomorrow morning. I got to do a radio show. I'm yeah. gonna be, I got to do a podcast, you know." Yeah. Uh, and and then it got to the point where it wasn't like I I weighed that thing I had to do and discarded yeah. it. It was just, it didn't even exist, you know, at some point in the night, you yeah. know, and it would just be like, "Well, where can we go from?" What else do we have out there? And I was, and I just remembered going, going to AA meetings and stuff, and just lying about my sobriety and seeing guys who I'd started with, and they were celebrating a year, and here I was lying about having thirty days, you know, and, and that was demoralizing. Right. And and, and thinking honestly, I mean, and this, this this person, this one, uh, you know, I th again that that air of thinking I'm better than someone. I'm like, this guy's an idiot, and he can get it, and I can't. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and then that was like, well, it ain't. A, then it's not about intelligence or perceived intelligence. It's about just my bullshit and not being, uh, and not, 
and not doing 100% and thinking it's, oh, my way works, mm-hmm. you know. So I finally had that moment that was no different on August 9th, that, that morning, that dark morning, that was no different than a hundred, four hundred thousand other mornings, but something was, and I was like, I can't do this. I cannot yeah. be there, and made some calls to some friends, reached sober out. friend, reached out, you know, and <clears throat> you did know, you pray? Oh, I did, did you ask prayed. for help? It was ugly. I prayed to ask for help, and you know, and, and talk, talk to buddies. I was a crying, snotty, blothering mess, mm. and I was like, I can't do this, and I, and so I, I, I so my thing was, okay, I'm going to do things differently. You know, what have I not done? Well, I'm going to do the steps. What have I not done? I haven't been honest with everybody in my life. Because I could go to L.A. and they were like, they didn't know I was trying to be sober. I'd go to New York. They didn't know I was, you know, maybe I'd be in Seattle and they say, hey, you're not drinking? Uh, yeah, I'm done with that uh, triathlon I was doing. I can drink now. It was all the lies. Everywhere did, did it was lies. Did you do a triathlon? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, but, you know, well, I'm just making that was an example. Right. So, so I, everybody... I know in my life, I said, hey, man, this is what it looks like. This is what I've been dealing with. Dude, you're the normal one. You don't have a problem. I go, yeah, this is what happens when you don't know. Yeah. And um, so I, you know, my all my family, all my friends, all my workers, I said, this is what it's like. So I had no safe port, if right. you will. Right. And then I just, 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 you know, and I went and did a, you know, a, uh, um, out, intensive outpatient, you know, IOP, intensive outpatient in uh, Nashville for 28 huh. days, and and just got real. And like, what's an intensive outpatient? It's rehab, but you go home. Okay, you know, so I would but go. I would go from I'd thing. go from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just jumping in and 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 really doing it. And then my sponsor, who I, who was my second sponsor, my first one was out in L.A. when I first tried in mm-hmm. 2006. And uh, and we're still super close, man. And le- I learned so much, and the wisdom I've just learned, and and, um, and I try to, and I don't say I practice it. You know, it's always it's a uh, it's um, you know progress, progress, <laughs> and all these things, all these, and all the things that I rolled denial and river in Egypt. I rolled my eyes. It, yeah, my 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 ego is not my amigo. Yeah, easing God out. <laughs> All that stuff. I used to was like, please get me my out ego of. Ego is not my amigo. Me go, you know. Uh, you know, um, you know uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. <laughs> <laughs> All these things. I'm like, no man, it's true. Yeah. You know, and 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 I get I get to have that thing, and if the price of entry, the if the fee or the the admission was the crap I went through, then so be it. it I'm lucky. I didn't, wasn't got some casualty, another sad story, you mm. know, like, Oh, do you hear about that guy, man? Yeah. They found him somewhere. They found him in a hotel room. I didn't want to be that dude, Mm-mm. you know, and I certainly tempted fates. Yeah. Did you, you pushed the edge. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I like the thing that it's, it's about service like there's like a i think like this moral center in all of us even if we want to try to deny that and that like the fact that it works by sort of bolstering your self-esteem by being of service to others oh yeah like that's the final sort of piece of the puzzle and then because i i do know that like i'm more likely to relapse if i'm like up to no good if i'm up to some shenanigans you know what I mean? Like, and you can fill in the blank as to what those shenanigans <laughs> might be. But I, you know what I mean? Like, so I've noticed that over the years. Oh, yeah. Like, I have to kind of keep myself 
you know, a certain amount of integrity or else I'm in trouble. And I need to do. I need to be better than that. You know, there's yeah, the, me too, dude. It's like a. Oh, it's an everyday. It's every day, man. It's like there's no. You don't success. There, and I, I box, and in my boxing gym, there's this flag that says success is never final. And I, and it's true. It's like, man, this this life is a constant push towards getting to being the best version of yourself. I think it is. It is. You know, and it's uh, you know, it's fellowship. It's being around people doing what you're doing it's you know it's recovery and then it's uh service you know and, and yeah. helping other people you know and it's amazing what it does for you you know but you know you can't you can't give what you don't have they say so so it's it's there's just no you can't uh you can't the, the whole half measures thing you, you've got to just walk the walk and talk the talk and then when you're doing that things work out yeah but, but again man i i'm always just trying to I'm, I'm always not doing it quite right but i'm always i'm always trying yeah as you long know. as you're trying yeah it's the half measures is because that invite that's what the devil likes that's the thing he likes drift because napoleon i like hill, the drift yeah because napoleon hill asked him what's the worst drug alcohol or cigarettes and this was written in the 30s it's a really interesting book and this and the devil is interviewed in it and the devil like there's some kind of pact that the devil just has to tell him the truth and whatever answer and and the devil even says it won't matter because you won't publish this book anyway and if you do you'll be hated and it um and all this other stuff and the the crazy thing is he didn't publish it and even his wife had to die before it got published in in 2000 this it sounds like confederacy of dunces almost it's how that really, was kind of it's real wild and and um and napoleon hill at one point asked him what's the, what's worse cigarettes or alcohol and this is when like doctors were prescribing cigarettes for your health so it wasn't like <laughs> cigarettes weren't known to be bad for you at that point but the devil said cigarettes are worse and and the reason why is because he says they promote drift and through you know because if somebody's doing that then they're like they aren't going on the run they aren't doing other things they're like you know and i'm well, drift drift is a great way to describe that slow uh going off your track and right. going back to that the old default way of thinking that's the way it happens was this de was the devil's name louis cipher <laughs> probably you know what I that's mean, a reference to what angel heart um, that maybe angel heart mickey rourke mickey rourke and who played the devil louis cipher louis lucifer oh right robert de niro yeah robert de niro so yeah. so your voice is quite intoxicating with your with your beard and your, <laughs> your hair and your wily ways. <laughs> well, I denounced you, sir. You succubus. <laughs> it's like you see I, right through me. I just do, I do, I, I just sit in my studio by myself. Just my eyes well, sir. Well, sir. Well, you know, speaking of sitting in my... You got that tiger on your You got that tiger on your tail, don't you? You round that tree until you, you turn it to butter. cool bowery in New York. <laughs> you just spinning around like that old tail spinning of the tigers around that, that turning into butter. Well, sir, that butter's making a batter that will bake a cake that will be your end, sir. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> you know, it's what we do. Have you ever done voiceover work? No. I've tried it. I, uh, I, I, William Morris is, does the band, and I was some I, a buddy of mine was like, dude, I just got one hundred twenty five thousand dollars for for doing a voiceover for I Volvo. Gotta, I'm gonna 
call my manager about it today. You right better. After this podcast. A- a- right? Like, well, well, fucking Kevin Griffin's doing nothing, and, and he's getting these huge things. What about Joseph Arthur? Exactly. Are you doing voiceover? Well, I came so... I almost got a, a Brian breakfast uh, uh, meets uh, ad. Yeah. And I didn't get that, and I was, and I was, uh, it was against me and, and the guy, another guy for Mountain Men on the History Channel. Uh-huh. But I didn't get it. Are you still going for it? Well, in my heart, I should have gotten it because you know. Now down in the boneyard, TJ's having a little trouble with the four by four. Up in the kitchen, Trisha's doing her best. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that was my thing, and 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 I was so was so close. That guy makes a quarter of a million just for doing you know eight episodes, That's and he wild. didn't even go into the old Dan Haggerty voice. Like I, I went for Grizzly Adams, Dan Haggerty. Maybe you this, gave it a little too. Much. I went, I went too campy. You went over the top. I went too campy. They went for yeah. a guy who was more of a micro, right? Kind of Speaking of podcast authenticity, have you heard the micro podcast called? And That's the way I heard it. No. It, micro Dirty Jobs. You know who this guy is? Uh-uh. But micro uh, was one of the first big personalities on reality television. He had that show called Dirty Jobs on Discovery. If you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people... He cleans gutters and... Yeah, and, and, he, and he does all these... Do. He's a super likable dude, and he has this great voice, and he does this show. They're seven minutes long, and they're based on the old Paul, old Paul Harvey um, radio show. Remember Paul Harvey? No. So Paul Harvey was a national syndicated radio voice. Paul Harvey, a young boy with dreams of flying, told his father, I will one day fly across the Atlantic. And then he tells this whole story. It goes, uh, and at the end he goes, that man, Charles Lindbergh. (laughs) And now you know the rest of the story. (laughs) And and so so now uh, Mike Rowe has uh, reincarnated this thing, and he does this new thing called and that's the way I heard it, right. where he tells you this great story. Like one I just listened to was uh, about Charles Roger, a duplicitous dude, definitely. And he would, he, and he, and it's the it, Roger's thesaurus, you know, and and it's the guy who started Roger's thesaurus, and he has these these great stories from history, and the, the reveal is at the end. Yeah, you know, you should check it out. I want, I'm going to check that out. You should do a podcast though. Like this is like coming back around to that. I'm down, man. Yeah, you should. I mean, you could do all the voices. You got you got skills. Oh uh, man, I might do that shit. You should do that. I will. <laughs> you know who my first guest is going to be? Who? Joseph Arthur. Hey, I would. I, <laughs> I would gladly accept, sir. So, where did Joseph you get Arthur. your drive and your like ability? Because a lot of artists are tend to be more unhinged and you know you seem to be very well put together like in turn and also um able to like be kind of a, a business person and and keep your eye on that kind of thing right but also you write great songs and and it's like you you have a, a balance which uh is really hard Thank to you. find and and uh, I and like you've described, you've struggled and stuff. So it hasn't been so oh, it, yeah. it hasn't been just a joyride. But where and I you... used to not want to tell anybody about that. Yeah, well, just I'm glad like you, did. you know, just like oh, I want. I can't say that about. But then I realized, man, if I tell somebody and be to be honest mm. with my struggles and and my journey that is ongoing, then it can help somebody. And it takes the power and, away from yeah. From, uh, and then people reach out to you and say, "Hey, you. man, you know, you know." And they you've had people reach out to you who are struggling, of course, you know. And then yeah. you're like, "Fuck, I want to be honest. If I want to go through life and just be real." 
But where yeah. do you think you got your... Well, like, did you get it from your parents? Or where did you get your sort of ability to connect all these different things? Now you started a music festival, yeah. which we can talk about too. But where did you get that? You know what I, I'm talking I, yeah, about? Yeah, totally. You okay. know, I've always been, you know... Um, I just, I just was born with this kind of drive of always wanting to success, s- success, and to do more. Like in high school, just you know, applying to these for these scholarships and these summer programs, going to things these things called like Boys State, where you would go do mock governments at the state capitol and 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 speech competitions. I was just always wanting in in like. You know, getting getting a scholarship to school. My parents didn't. I'm not my lovely parents, mm-hmm. but they were just like, you know, was, were supportive. But I was, I was figuring out, well, if I get, I can, I can do this and do this, and I can get a scholarship to this school. You know, and and you know, um, well, where, I want to go. Where did you get that drive? I, I, I was just born with it. I was just born you have with brothers and sisters. I have an older brother. Does he have that drive? He he would tell you he does not, <laughs> but he's very successful. You know, he was a great athlete. My father was a great athlete who um, uh, was all American for University of Georgia and played for the Redskins for one year. And wow, was a badass, just pro a, football player, he man. And my brothers like him. You know, great athletes. And I and I was I love sports, but I wasn't gifted in that realm. Um, I was more like my mom, more artistic and stuff but maybe the combination of my parents or whatever dna i just always wanted to be successful and and just what'd your dad do for a living sold insurance okay sold insurance and what'd your mom and my mom uh did a lot of things she was a realtor she was a banker whenever my dad wasn't making ends meet mom you know picked Picked up the slack and, and famously you know and uh, and she's awesome. She you know still very much in my life and is a great woman. And uh, but I always just just had my eye on this prize. You know whether it was going to you know after I was at LSU one year I got a, I was like I hate this. I'm I'm not a I don't want to be in a fraternity and do all this stuff. I had great friends. You know I want to make move I want to make movies. So I got accepted to NYU and came in, and all on my own and you know uh, with the applications and and uh, and then I didn't my parents you know we didn't make enough money to send me to NYU so that floundered. But so went back to LSU. But I always just wanted just. Just was that what's, disappointing? Yeah, it was. Is and, that you a know, heartbreak? It is because I always wondered. I love making. I well, love if you got in and it was New York calling and film school. Oh yeah, and, shit, and then it, all of a sudden you had and to then, face the reality that that's not going to happen. And I was going back to LSU, but I'd gotten a scholarship there, so I had free tuition at LSU, and that kind of came to back to bite me because my dad, dad was like, "I'm not going to pay for you to go. How much is NYU? There's no way." You know, but Kinda I but I made in retrospect, but I made little movies, horror movies in college and high school rather on a Super Eight film uh, the super eight projector camera rather that my mom made so i was always it was just entertainment and and performing and it wasn't like riches it was like i just got to do this and i've always been uh, to a fault my my girlfriend erica would just tell me just relax you know just relax and and i and i have you know i'm always wanting what's next and do i have enough irons in the fire you know um so I'm, I actually often have to just say, man, just things are good. You know, just enjoy this. Enjoy it. Enjoy. And But I love, it, it, it keeps me engaged just, you know, doing music. And I love business, the, the business side. At the same time, knowing where, what my limitations are. I'm not a, 
a numbers number cruncher guy. You know, I'm really good with just a, a concept and an idea. And um, and you know, w- the great thing about um, songwriting is you get to see a microcosm of a business. You could where an idea can start, playing on your guitar, some silly idea, and then you record it. And then that song takes a life of its own, and if it if it takes off, then it becomes a cottage industry, and so you get to, so, you know that taught me really early, like wait a second, I I know what it looks like. I remember I remember sitting in the French Quarter, um, and our first single, Good, we were making a video. A guy named Chris Applebaum, who did a lot of Ween videos, mm. um, was doing our video, and we were in this cool old dilapidated house in the French Quarter, and I and I was I had this this epiphany like. This all this shit, the deal we've done with Electro Records, all these people moving and the generators and all. This is because of this idea I had in my bedroom in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, mm. and so I got to see like, oh, an idea is powerful. And so with the, with the fest, music festival, it was That's an a idea boom statement, right? There. You know, yeah. you know, and um, and so and like, don't take no for an answer because it's it our business. The world is a business of no's. You know, and if, if if the given is you have you have you have a great idea or talent, it's persistence. It's not quitting because everyone wants to tell you no. Will persistence? Yeah. And so, with the, whether it's a song, whether it's an idea for a music festival, or uh, you know, writing a book or an idea or anything, you know, it's all possible. I just got to do it. And I, you know, that and that saying, I'd rather. Um, regret the things I did rather than the things I didn't is haunts me because I'm like, oh fuck, how am I, how old? You're still I, hungry, huh? You know, October first, I turned fifty three. Are you serious? No, yeah. dude, you're looking good, man. <laughs> but fuck guess sake. what? But if, if, see, I even still kind of cringe that because I told you, like we said years ago, we yeah. lied on our. We said we were twenty five when we were twenty seven, which just sounds pathetic now, right? Yeah. But in the databases. Um, I'm still two for most things. I'm still two years younger than I actually am. So my buddies from college and stuff will, will call me up and they go, "You're pathetic." I'm like, "What?" Because <laughs> you just turned fifty three, dude. You're not fifty one. I'm like, "I'm fifty one." <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, dude. You know what? That might be not a bad thing. I I, I try to take my birthday off my Wikipedia like a, oh, many, yeah. many years ago. Mine says nineteen sixty eight, but it's sixty six. I just turned forty eight. I'm I'm nineteen seventy. Baby, I'm a little yeah. I'm, I'm not used to being called that, but it feels good. No, dude, it gives take me it, like the warm it, and fuzzies. Take it. Um, but so. Yeah, I, I tried to take my birthday off the Wikipedia, and the next day it was back on, and I was like, oh, fuck this... it. That's, that's, as, that's as far as I went with it. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm just going to be my age, and then <laughs> fuck it. I can't. You, you can't know? shit, like, right? You know, yeah. I, I, now I'm just kind of like, uh, you know. It's kind of prideful, though, in a way, like if, you, if you're if you maintaining yourself as you are, like to, to like kind of give your real age, because then it's like more credit. Like, wow, because it's almost impressive, you know, like. If you yeah, if you're yeah, still yeah. alive and thriving and because if you if, if you say you're too if you lie about your age too much then you're like wow you are a terrible looking forty year old yeah exactly <laughs> right as opposed to like you're a pretty good looking fifty three yeah fifty three year old which is crazy when you wait wait till you hit fifty that's the first age I was like oh, I can't spin this right. you know fifty's fifty you know when I turned right. forty I was like oh, fuck I'm forty yeah big deal twenty seven was a tough one for mm-hmm. me. But for some reason, I don't mind turning 48. I actually forgot I was 40, I, 47 during 47. I start because I had the, <laughs> I had the, um, per, I don't know how you say it, but the habit of going a year higher than I am 
to kind of prepare myself. And so I was making a video one time and I said I was 48 in it. And my friend texted me and said, dude, you're 47. And I had to look it up. This happened to me this year. That's amazing. So I've already been 48. So so, I, so this is no... When, when's your, when do you turn? September 28th. Oh, you I, just turned. I just turned. Week ago. Okay, this is everybody... Yeah. It, it's just been this rash of birthdays around me, and everybody's a Libra. Uh-huh. I'm a Libra. Yeah, are I'm you a Libra? A Libra? October first. October first. Yeah. What? This yeah. is your birthday? I just. Two days th- this ago. is two days ago. Did you just say that? I just. Yeah. See wow. now you've. I mean, see yeah, it started. Sorry. It starts early. Yeah. This was the first. When did you first start losing your mind, Joseph? Fuck. It Five was that minutes. fucking oh, podcast with no, Kevin Griffin. <laughs> it's been a lot. I, I missed that too. How did I miss I that? I missed it too. You missed it too. Are you sure you said it? Are you sure you said it? Yeah. Yeah. You do, yeah. But everybody, my road manager, all the people in my band, Happy they're birthday, all. Dude. Thank you, dude. Yeah, thank you. you. You know what? Later, tell me if he said it yeah. when you're editing this together. You know, like because I, how do we both miss it? Anyway, go October first, October first, October first. Anyway. The same birthday is uh, is Jimmy Carter. Really, was a good one. I'm the same one as Bridget Bardot. Bridget Bardot. Mm-hmm. Now the reason we're here as man and woman to love each other, take care of each other. When love walks in the room, everybody stands up. Oh, it's good, good, good. Like Bridget Bardot. You know what song that is? What is it? Message of Love, The Pretenders. Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm from Akron. Now, the reason we're here. I the same high school as her. And then Martin Chambers' drum part. Yeah, I had a great night with Martin Chambers in London one night. Tell He's me about a madman. We were at this place called the Clarion Hotel, mm-hmm. which was this uh, beautiful place. And we were, and my old first manager, a guy named Jeff Levinson, who was a lovable madman, um, had been the tour accountant for the Who, and so he knew all these old cats. And we were with Chris Thomas, who produced um, all the. Uh, all the pretenders records and we were getting our drink on and martin chambers showed up and then and at some point everybody was getting tired but martin was like i'm ready to keep going and i was like yeah i'll go with you and so we just went bar hopping in london but he was driving he may have had been a little intoxicated and it was uh that was back when men were men i'm just i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> chill out everybody jesus uh, but but, but just, just, just he was just I was like oh my god I'm gonna die with, with Martin with Martin Chambers but would have been a, a cool rock and roll cool death. rock and roll yeah. you know kind of like it's you know good. it would have been right at the same corner where Mark Boland you Mark know wrapped Boland. his you a car. fan of T Rex oh yeah yeah me too but keep with the story. so cool but 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 it was just a and we and we went somewhere and oh and what's his name was there uh fucking uh, Adamant. Of course he was. Yeah, and, 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 and <laughs> of course he was, and uh, and it was just like it was just killer. But we, you know, he got to, t- to tell me all about uh, Pete Farndon and James Honeyman, Honey, Honeyman Scott. You know, the guitarist and the bass uh-huh. player from Pretenders who yeah. both passed away because right. I was a massive James Honeyman Scott. And, and me, I think I'm getting that name right. But his guitar work was so cool. I mean, he was Johnny Marr before Johnny Marr. Mm. You know, just that chimey Nashville tuning guitar stuff right. that I could never figure out. Yeah. Were you good at figuring out albums, songs? No. I started I was, writing songs because I was really bad yeah. at it. Because me, it would yeah. just be like, after I would like f- 
figure out the first two chords, I would like by the time I was supposed to figure out the third one, I started writing a song with the first two. Maybe and that's, that was more fun to me. Then I was like, okay, fuck it. You maybe know, that like, was me too because right. I was just I was not gifted in figuring out song parts from albums. I, I always made yeah. it more complicated and shittier than it actually was. Oh, I mean, I was yeah. into Rush. Oh, so me too. I, I was. Are you a Rush fan? Oh, fuck yeah. Dude, I'm from Akron, Ohio, you know, and I took acid when I was 15. You want to know a great story? So, yeah, I like Rush a lot. Check that. We're just going to do a podcast about Rush. You know who I work with a lot? I've written on a lot of the past four albums uh, with Ed Robertson from Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, okay, And he's from Toronto, and he's tight with Getty. That's crazy. And he's been on on, on Getty's sailing boat off of Cabo. But my my Rush story Getty's has... Uh, connection to Cabo? I believe so. That's yes. wild. Or it was go, Puerto Vallarta or something like that. I go down like there a lot. I go to Todos Santos. Todos Santos. Todos Santos. <laughs> Todos Santos. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I went to Cabo with my lady. <laughs> down. Where, where did we go? Where did we go? Esperanza. Very cool. Rush. Okay. Yeah. It was 19. I was 15 years old in Monroe, Louisiana, which is uh, northeast Louisiana. They, they call it the Arklamis, the nexus, if you will, of Arkansas, Mississippi, and Louisiana on the I-20 corridor. And Rush was playing the Monroe Civic Center. Um, it was after moving pictures, and right when uh, Exit Stage Left was about to come out, I was a massive Rush fan. I mean, like, crying in my room with my head. They were the biggest band in the world. They were the biggest band in the world. At that moment. They were. They were nutty level. And and I was in love with this this band, and uh, me and my best friend, uh, a guy named Joel Rundle, who was part of Better Than Ezra until he passed away in 1990. Um, And we, we heard... Word on the street in Monroe was that Rush was staying at the Holiday Inn Holodome uh, near uh, the Monroe Civic Center. So I got into my 87, um, not 87, no, my 78 Honda Civic, a little green Honda Civic that I called the Green Barchetta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we went and staked out the Holodome. And we were in the little game room at around 6 a.m., you know, just, just, looking around we were those guys you know and uh at around 10 30 a.m my buddy joe's like oh my god oh my god oh my god and it was getty lee and alex lifeson walking past the pool through the lobby mm. you know to the to the front to the little breezeway and we we, we quit playing galaga you know in mm-hmm. short and we we went out and we, we like introduced ourselves like hey i'm you know, and we're, we're we're big fans. I love and, that you were playing Gallagher. Gallagher, right. <laughs> you're really painting the time. Oh, this, is a, yes. this is Asteroids, a Gallagher, and Robotron. <laughs> yeah, and um, <laughs> and we 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 stood out there, and and they were, and we we're like, hey man, you know, we're just we're locals, and just we're typical fans, you know. But they were really cool, and uh, I remember Alex. He had a he had a red shirt on. And a uh, a uh, little khaki vest. And I remember he had a fever blister. <laughs> it, was so, it was so rock and spinal roll. Tap. It was so spinal tap. And then Getty, but they were super cool. And then cool. Getty had the same fever yeah, blister. Yeah, fever blister, the same side, <laughs> opposite side. But um, they were super cool, and they were waiting on a car service, which didn't exist in Monroe, to yeah. take them on some errands. And, right. and, I, and uh, somewhere during the conversation, I kind of peppered in, hey, um, uh, you know, we'll give you a ride around. And they just, you know, quickly just dismissed that offer. 
But the third time I asked, I said, hey, man, we'll take you by H. Michael Sports to get tennis rackets. We'll take you to the health food store. At some point, Getty goes, well, where's, where's your guy's car? Right. And I was like, right here. So we went back. They walked with us back through. Getty got in the green barchetta. Getty and Alex Lifeson on an August day in Louisiana. It was hot. And the AC didn't work in my car. Wow. Got in the back of the green barchetta. And they had to I'd push the seat, <laughs> seats forward. And me and Joel Rundle took them to H. Michael dude. Sports. We took them to get health food and somewhere else. But when we were in H. Michael Sports, they bought tennis rackets. And Alex said, He's like, listen, man, if you guys can go pick up, if you can come back at four and pick up our tennis rackets that are being strung, it'll get you um, backstage passes, passes and you can come to our sound check. So, wow. So we go back. And I remember, I remember we dropped them off at the health food store. And because I had, oh fuck that's right I had to go get gas I was about to run out of gas holy shit so so they were in the they were in the health food store at the Twin City Mall and uh, and this is Twin Cities it's West Monroe and Monroe because West Monroe was twenty years later would be the home of Duck Dynasty but that all, all that shit hadn't happened yet yeah so I remember then they we left them we left them we were getting gas and we both put our hands on the seats that were still warm from their asses like oh my fucking god it's the aura of Getty bike tour and the snow dog are right here yeah and uh so it, so we went we went got the tennis rackets we went back to the Civic Center and brought them their tennis rackets and some other stuff they left in the car. And I got to be on stage, and Alex showed me how to play Spirit of the Radio. That's insane. And uh, and the only person we never met was Neil Peart. Yeah. But I've got... That's a nutty story. That one's the best show story you, ever. I'll I mean, show you in my phone. But I mean, I'm, dude, because also they really, really were the biggest band in the world at that point. Oh, like, yeah. That's like, no, that was like them at their apex. I'm going to look. Let me see. While we're, I mean, whilst we're crazy. talking is... Uh, Weird what's happened to Neil Peart, like the tragedy that struck him, and then like, I can't the, find the whole motorcycle across the country a bunch of times and stuff. That like was that. The, those the documentary, the documentaries that I were never saw awesome. Yeah. You need to go watch uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage, uh-huh. which is the first one you need. It's an incredible documentary, which makes you just love this band because we, even more. They, you know, I had my moment, and, and then you kind of like, oh man, I can't believe I was in Rush. Then you watch this documentary, no, and I, like, I still love them. They're still bad. They're ass, bad. Dude. Fucking Gay Lee ass. is like the most badass bass player. Like, I mean, it's just like their groove was crazy. It was crazy it in was the guitar like, work. You know, I like but, atmosphere. I mean, I like hemispheres and oh. Like, and uh, yeah, I go way back to even that. La Villa Strange. I, I like we were fly listening. Fly by night. Fly by night. Away <laughs> from here. <laughs> Change my life. There is unrest working, in man, the dude. forest. There is trouble with the, <laughs> the trees. <laughs> For the maples <laughs> want more sunlight, but the, the oaks ignore their pleas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate to do this. We have to wrap up because he has another appointment. This should be a three-hour uh, oh. podcast. Well, they passed him. a noble too, law. Too bad. And the oaks are what all kept story. equal. Yeah. A hatchet. <laughs> and a saw. And saw. Yeah. <laughs> For they passed a noble law. Yeah. For well, they equal. <laughs> oh, Joseph Arthur, I'm you, I'm excited, sir. but I want to really just touch for one second on your new album. Yeah. It's exciting. I, I, I just really like it, what I've heard. Did you get only get three songs? <laughs> yeah. That's it. You haven't heard the album? I haven't heard the Dude, whole thing. The first but I track. I like it a lot. And, Thank you, and, man. Uh, and I think it's uh, real exciting for you, this this new album. Man. So let's like, talk about that for, yeah. uh, first for solo. a little bit. Is, is this your first solo record? This is my first solo record. It's great, man. I Thank re- you. Yeah. 
Um, what, what? Tell me about that real quick. Um, like, uh, who produced it? I, I produced uh, seven of the songs uh-huh. uh, with a guy named Andrew Petroff, who's a great songwriter and bass player in Nashville. And we did it. My, we did it all in my studio mm-hmm. um, in Franklin, Tennessee. I built this place, and it just sounded. It just sounds good. Um, did those seven songs in my studio? Then three songs I did with Butch Walker. Do you know mm. Butch? Yeah, I, I know. I know of him. I don't you think guys would paths. hit it off massively. That's what I've heard that before. Yeah, so, you guys yeah. are birds of a feather. We're like uh, we went to different schools together. Yeah, you yeah, and or he, something like that. He's also, <laughs> he's also the, a big the, songwriter for other people. He's yeah. a great yeah and a great producer and and actually got off easy. Someone tonight and Hacienda three we did together. Yeah. And uh, but man, I just w- I wanted to write a, an album that didn't sound like better than Ezra. Otherwise, what was the point? Right. And that um, that didn't have any considerations on trying to get on Hot AC radio or any radio, yeah. and just was like, this is what I fucking love. And 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 on this song, I want to have a you know a guitar you know a harmonized guitar solo because I love Thin Lizzy, mm-hmm. you know. And it just well, it's four and a half minutes long. I don't care. Well, this one's five and a half minutes long. Well, great, you know. And right. so. And without any expectations or considerations other than just doing something I loved. And um, and the album that came out, I just really dig. And um, it was just really a blast to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and now getting, getting to go out and tour, you know, and playing Mercury Lounge, going back to my roots. Are you doing solo or you got a band? I got a band. Oh, okay. I got a killer band. Uh, How many piece? It's a uh, four piece, including me. Uh huh. And, and you guys are doing a whole tour right now. We're doing a, well. Yeah, we are. We're gonna be um, for the next six weeks. Round one, wave one, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Uh, I'll be in Chicago, but it's it's mostly places like Mercury Lounge or City Wineries. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'll I can sell those kind of places out. Yeah. You know, do a couple of nights at City Winery, Chicago. Yeah, that's and a great then Hotel one. Cafe, and uh, you know. I got two big paintings on at City Winery, Chicago. Really? Yeah, in the main room, dude. I got to check out your check out those your paintings. graphic arts. No, yeah. where where do you play when you're in LA? We're playing the Roxy. Oh, really? Yeah. When what's the date? October the sixteenth, I believe. I'm looking at a who like he look at JosephArthur.com. Yeah. Did we realize I'm in town? Are now? you guys gonna be in town? Come out. Maybe I'm in town. It's I'm gonna be sure. fun. I love the Roxy. Yeah, I'll give you my number. We can Dude, stay, we're gonna. We can this is the beginning. This is the beginning. Yeah, the podcast will will be huge. Yeah, but the re- yeah. The, the friendship no, will be even bigger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need another two hours with you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, congratulations on the record, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing the podcast. You're funny as hell. It's fun as hell to talk to you. I appreciate, brother. It. Thank you. And yeah. I, I had no idea that I was doing a podcast with Joseph Arthur. I would have yeah. been really nervous. So I'm uh, glad that I just. <laughs> Got dropped in the, yeah. in the presence of greatness and yeah. didn't have a chance to get scared. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we went to different schools together. Really, that's what we happened. did. Yeah. Well, you know what? You realize if you're a certain age, if you're a man of a certain age, mm-hmm. and you're in this in in rock and roll, we're gonna have a lot. We're gonna be the same guy. Yeah, different, different, but different, have this, different versions of the same. Different guy. versions of the same. Like guys. it's the multi, like a multiverse or the, the sim- multiverse. <laughs> you know the, the simulation f- theory that like we like can like there's many simulations, many versions of our reality going. Maybe uh, we're f- just different uh, versions of the same reality. Or, the or, rush. Or, I don't know. That's for another podcast. That's another rush. Theory. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Where, where, where are you going now? I'm gonna go. Uh, we got 
Tell we're going to, to lunch, lunch, but we got that's uh, important. But we got to go to um, Q one hundred four. Q. Oh, is that, a, is that a classic rock station? No, that what's what's his name? I, Jonathan Clark. Yeah, he's cool. I'm a cool dude. dude. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, he's great interviewer. Great. Do you know what we should do? Great dude. Let's do a let's Tell do a tu- let's hi. do a tour at some point together. Dude, that would be a good idea. I would love, I love to. It. Let's definitely will. Uh, I would love that. Yeah, maybe man. maybe we both have albums coming out this week and after this tour with jesse i don't have um and it's like most through like mid-november but then i'm like free let's, let's, so let's maybe do we it should, in, maybe in we the should, new year maybe we should link it up in the new year and book something I, i'm into it i want to get on the Fuck road yeah and then we could help each other fill the room dude i love it let's do that i'm in nice one brother <laughs> Pleasure, Great my friend. Great to meet you. Thank and we'll and Napolitano, man. i got to reach out to Napolitano. Na- nappy dugout. Nappy. Hey, thanks, everybody. Thank, Thank you, you, Joseph. Thank you, Ahu. You want to give your Instagram and all that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, it's Kevin M. Griffin. That's Instagram. Uh, and then I think it's that's tw- the, the Twitter. And then Facebook's just Kevin Griffin, you know, and kevingriffinmusic.com for all pertinent and salient information wardrobe choices uh <laughs> audio voiceover work <laughs> check out his new album because it's uh, it's something all right y'all thank you cheers cheers hi this is joseph arthur thanks for checking out come to where i'm from Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Hello, this is Joseph Arthur. Thank you for listening to come to where I'm from. Just going to announce some tour dates on October the 7th. I'll be at Knuckleheads in Kansas City. On October the 8th, I'll be at Larimar Lounge in Denver. On October the 10th, I'll be in the Triple Door in Seattle. On October 12th, I'll be at the Bunk Bar in Portland. On October 15th, the Chapel in San Francisco. On October 16th, the Roxy in Los Angeles. On October 17th, Soda Bar in San Diego. On October 19th, 191 Tool tucson arizona on october 21st stubbs barbecue in austin texas on october 22nd continental club in houston on october 23rd three links in dallas on october 26th rough trade new york city actually that's in brooklyn but it says nyc (laughs) okay on october 26th Rough Trade in Brooklyn, New York. On October 29th, City Winery, Boston. On October 30th, Daryl's House, Pauling. On November 1st, The Locks in Philadelphia. On November 2nd, Jamming Java, Washington, D.C. On November 2nd, Jamming Java, D.C. On November 3rd, Ramshead, Annapolis. On November 5th, Neighborhood Theater, Charlotte. On November 7th, Magic Bag, Detroit. On November 9th, Space, Evanston.
That's near Chicago. And on November 10th, 7th Street Entry, Minneapolis. On November 10th, 7th Street Entry, Minneapolis.